Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. They met at a party. He was actually kind of sweet. Like, I was really, really badly playing Dance Dance Revolution. Like, I cannot dance at all. We had been flirting earlier, and I thought that once he saw me dance, it would be completely over. This person would never want to have sex with me, like, ever. When the party ended, everyone walked out together, and they exchanged numbers, made small talk. Even though Sarah hadn't invited him to come home with her, he started walking in the same direction. As a woman, you're always waiting for that moment when you're going to get attacked, right? As she got closer and closer to her building... He was still following. And I'm in my head thinking, oh my God, this person is going to force his way into my home. When she got to the lobby, she waved goodbye. And he said, no, I'm coming in. It turned out he lived there. Oh no. I thought, oh shit, he's cute. And like, you shouldn't date people who live in your building, right? Because that's a disaster. But Sarah didn't feel like she had a choice. When someone cute asks you out and I hadn't been single for that long, I was sort of powerless to say no. Like, he'd seen me dance really badly and he still wanted to go out with me. So I was like, this might be the one. So the first date we went on was to this pizza place near our home that he wanted to take me to because he thought it looked like the Italian restaurant out of Lady and the Tramp. Uh-huh. So we went on this date. It didn't go particularly well because when we went back to our home that we both live in, it was kind of this awkward moment of like, like we were going home together, right? But you don't know if you're going home together, going home together. Eventually, they did start going home together. We keep dating. We have this incident where he buys an Apple Watch and he gets really angry at me because I'm not impressed by it. Like, he said, look at my new watch. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he was showing me tricks you could do with it as though, like, the Apple Watch had just come out. So I sent him a couple of texts. He didn't reply to them. Shortly thereafter, he actually ghosted me. So now I live in a haunted house. Like, I live in a building with this man who ghosted me. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, 
I have a Halloween special for you. We're going to be telling ghosting stories. Whether or not the person you ghost lives in your home, they do live in the broader community. The world is everyone's home. So when Sarah finally saw him, it was like staring into a pair of green eyes, reflecting back at you late at night. That's honestly how it felt. Neither of you were quite sure who's more afraid. It was terrifying because we both locked eyes and we made that really sustained eye contact that you make with someone when you're trying to decide whether or not to ignore them. In the end, we just didn't say anything and walked past each other, but we obviously we recognized each other. I mean, like, we've had sex, so, like, I know what his face looks like. Sarah was ghosted. So ghosting has always been the coward's way, but maybe now it's just the way, right? Today on the show, we're going to hear stories from listeners all over the country about... Hello? Lindsay, do you hear that? Hello? It's like a man's voice in my headphones. Hey, Andrea, are you there? Sounds like Casper. Is that you? Yeah, yeah, yes. Andrea, hi. Casper. Casper. Yeah, it's me, your friendly ghoster. <laughs> you did ghost me. I did. I'm I'm so sorry about that. This is so weird. I never thought I was going to hear from you again. Yeah, I'm back. I'm here. You look awesome. Oh my god. I have so many questions for you. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I could ask you anything. Sure, anything, of course. Well, I've been wondering why you ghosted me, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Sure, um, sure. I and I have a theory. I've always thought it was because I refuse to go see your improv team rehearse. Is that it? No, no, of course not. Of course not. I mean, I, I just thought that kind of insight into the process can be really interesting, but For some totally people, fine. but, you know, I'm just busy. And... I get it. I totally get it. No, that is not the reason. You might not remember this, but there was this one morning when I told you that your hair product smells like, mm-hmm. like semen. Is that... It made you really mad. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. No, uh, that's, of course, my Cape Cod pomade, which I love so much. Yeah. Um, Smells like cum. I don't think that's true, but I, that's not the reason that I ghosted you. That, that okay. Was, it was very funny when it happened. We did fight sometimes. But it, was, it wasn't over big things. Right. It was just mostly over how you pronounce Chipotle. You mean Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. It, it's Chipotle, but these are little things. Well, I'm glad that when you just totally vanished out of my life, that it wasn't over me. It, it must have been something to do with you. Oh, well, I, I mean, it was because of you. I don't want to tell you the reason. Give me something specific. You don't really want to know. Nobody wants to know. I do, because, you know, for the podcast. You could just, come on. It's fine. Sure? I can handle it. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll just... I'll just say it. You know how you always... Casper? Casper! Lindsay, could you, um... Could you call him back, please? Andrea, no one's on the line. I still don't know who you've been talking to. It's fine. I'll just text him.
Juliet is 30 and lives in Austin, Texas. I'm very wary of online dating. Like, it takes me a long time to get worked up to where I actually want to meet the person. But we just hit it off right away. His name was Steve. Well, he had just moved to town like two months earlier. He was short. I really like short guys because I'm short myself. He was a fan of some comedy podcasts that I really like. Or is. I'm assuming he's still alive. But to be fair, I don't know. (laughs) He's a fan of that podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me. She likes Steve a lot, but he wasn't perfect. He vaped all the time on our first date. He had like one of those vape pens. It was like vaping constantly. What does it smell like? It was fruity, like the strawberry ones. Yep. Like really fruity. He had one piece of furniture in his apartment which was a couch that was like a sectional couch. And the non-sectional part was broken. And the only piece of art he had in his apartment was of my brother, my brother and me poster, which again, I like that show. I'm a fan, but if that's your only art, like no picture of your family, like nothing, just one poster from a podcast. The story's real creepy so far. I don't know why it's creepy. <laughs> and all we did was like, we like hung out on his couch. And like we had to like sit on top of each other. Like we made out a little bit. We ordered Indian food. And we watched like, like YouTube videos on his TV. I don't know about you, but I've had so many dates that end with watching YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> How does that go? It's like... Oh, have you seen the one with um, the kid who goes to the dentist? Exactly. Is this real life? Yeah, this is real life. So when you're like, oh, I thought of a good one. Have you seen that, like, Jurassic Park one? <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the one where the dog helps the other dog learn how to go downstairs. You're almost down. Come on. I don't know. This was not a long-term thing. But at the time, like, I wasn't looking for anything long-term. I really was looking for, like, casual and I was super clear about that and so was he but still that didn't prepare her for the day he disappeared I like googled him to like try to see if he was like on Facebook just to like to see if it was okay and then I like finally had that moment of like Juliet you know what's happening here and I gotta tell you like that was a real shot to the ego this person was ghosting me, person who had a couch, like, that worked. Juliet was ghosted. I had met this guy on Grindr, which is not a great place to meet guys, I will be totally frank. Noah is 39 years old, an editorial director at the Huffington Post. I don't really suffer fools very well, both online or offline, and... He sort of was game for that. You know, we had, a, we had a great back and forth. And so after some texting, he finally came over and we watched a movie, which we all sort of know what that's code for. What was the movie you guys saw? Oh, we watched something awful. It was on, you know, it was on my couch and it was like some horror movie on Netflix. Interesting that it's a horror movie, though. Oh, yeah. I love horror movies. You're going to let some apparition cloud your judgment? For me, it's so hard for me to find someone that I like. 
I always think of it as a slot machine and you try and line up the three cherries. Cherry one. Physical attraction, which is really important to me. Cherry two. Mental or intelligence. And jackpot. Humor is so important because I have a really dry, sarcastic sense of humor. And if they can't sort of do tit for tat with that, then there's just not going to be a relationship. But right as things were getting hot and heavy, Noah had a premonition. We were like ready to go to my bedroom. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it this time. This time I'm going to make you go home because I actually like you, I think. And this happens so rarely. And not that I think you can't have a relationship, you know, grow out of having sex on the first date. But for me, it usually doesn't. We texted a little bit more and then literally all of a sudden, nothing. I think maybe because I have a little bit of dignity, I think the first thing I, I thought, I, th- I think some people think is like, oh no, something happened to him. You know what I mean? Like, of course he must be injured or in an avalanche or, you know, there's some good reason. I think I sent three texts and they were like texts with questions. It wasn't ambiguous and he just never replied. Noah was ghosted. Four months went by, and it was Christmas, and I guess I was in the holiday spirit. I'm just thinking of you, and I hope you're having a good Christmas. And he texted back immediately. What I found out was that he actually had a boyfriend when we went out on that date. They weren't taking a break, but they were having some issues. And he sort of used me as a way to like figure out what he wanted to do with his boyfriend. I don't, I mean, I don't know what this guy's, you know, where his moral compass was pointing. I guess it was pointing towards me, but like, if I had known he had a boyfriend, that's not something that I would have engaged in. So it was just a big mess in general, but yeah, it kind of taught me a few things, I guess. So I was initially a little perturbed because... He didn't know where the Boston Common was. Althea is 25 years old and lives in Boston. The Boston Common, by the way, it's one of the most haunted places in her town. It's where they used to hold public hangings. In 1895, a mass grave was uncovered with nearly a thousand bodies in it. Perfect for a first date. Once, like, the date started going, I thought we were, like, actually kind of hitting it off. We were laughing and having good conversation. So much so that the two of them started trading stories. Stories about their worst dates. One of my stories ended up with being ghosted from another guy. Her date looked at her confused. Wait, what's ghosting? He had never heard the term before. I had to, like, describe what that was. They did that to you? Did you try to reach them? Like, he was so confused that people would just, like, go on dates and then never talk to each other again. His mouth was agape, his face pale. I just wanted to hold his cheek, you know, and just be like, sweet, sweet cherub. This is a possibility. We had agreed to see each other again, like the next weekend we were going to like watch the last episode of Stranger Things. That was like that the summer that that had come out. Will? Will? I didn't hear from him for a couple of days, and I thought he was being, 
I initially had thought like it was a three day rule or like waiting to, you know, keep, keep mystery. What have you done to my boy? And I heard nothing from him. It was just radio silence. I created a ghost, I guess. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. I, I swear, really. I'm not planning to ghost you. Yet. back and soon we're going to hear more ghosting stories from you. But first, a few weeks ago, there was this article. It was circulating around my office Slack, around Twitter. You probably saw it. And it usually came with a stock photo of a woman in a suit looking scorned. And the headline, guy ghosted his girlfriend and then she became his boss. It's a true story, actually. The guy wrote a letter to advice columnist Allison Green. She runs a popular advice column called Ask a Manager. So someone wrote in to me and said that he had ghosted on an ex about 10 years ago, um, that he, she was pressing for a commitment. He didn't want to commit. And for some reason, rather than, you know, having a conversation with her about this, he left the country over Christmas while she was away visiting her family. He just moved out, left the country, didn't tell her, didn't leave a note and thought that was the end of it. It wasn't. I will say in the original letter, he didn't even mention it was a long-term relationship. He made it sound like it was sort of a casual, not very long encounter. Um, And when I wrote back and asked how long they'd been together, it came out that it was several years and they'd been living together. His letter also made it clear that he still doesn't understand why what he did was wrong. He sort of implied that she'd gotten a little crazy and was stalking him because she was contacting his friends and family to find out what happened to him. Like you would if your partner of three years disappeared without a note. Turns out he wasn't kidnapped. And now, 10 years later, his ex was hired as his new boss. You know, most letters that I get, there's some kind of solution. There's something that the person can do that will get them maybe not the exact outcome they want, but kind of close to it. But occasionally, and this is one of those occasions, the answer is there's probably no way that this is going to have a good outcome. And this is one of those. So what I told him was, I mean, there's some things that you can do to try to make this a little bit better around the edges. You can contact her ahead of time so that she's not blindsided on her first day of work to discover that here he is, the the guy who disappeared 10 years ago is now her employee. Um, He could contact her ahead of time. He could apologize. He could say that he wants to find a way to, to work harmoniously with her. Does she think that's possible? But even doing that, it's so unlikely that that situation is going to end well. And and some of that is, is him just needing to take responsibility for the fact that it's a situation of his own creation. So there's an update. Letter writers will often write back to me a few months later or a year later and, and send in an update about how their situation turned out. I did not expect him to do that because he did get so roundly trashed by by the internet. I, I didn't think he would, and I, and I wouldn't blame him for not doing it, um, but he did. And, and I'm actually really grateful that he was willing to, to tell us how it turned out. So it turns out he took 
Allison Green's advice. He went and he wrote his ex a letter ahead of time. He warned her that he was going to be working there. And then he asked her if it would make sense for them to meet. However, he just gave her like a day or two to respond. And when she didn't respond, he panicked and he emailed his HR person to explain the situation. This guy has a a pattern of sort of jumping the gun. Um, (laughs) So HR got very alarmed and called him into a meeting with him and HR and the ex and laid out, they'd come up with a, a series of rules for governing the situation. He couldn't talk to her outside of work. He couldn't, he had to have someone else present when he talked to her. Things things that were a little bit onerous, but not terribly so, not prohibitively so. Things that probably made sense given the, the awkwardness of the situation. And he freaked out. And he said, no, he couldn't possibly do his job under those circumstances, and he quit. And apparently, because of the terms of his visa in that country, because he quit his job, he then had to leave the country. He had been living with another woman there who he, (laughs) I hope, didn't ghost, but he did immediately have to move out and leave her behind. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know his workplace situation enough to know if those rules were truly so onerous that he had no choice but to quit, but I doubt that... He had to do it on the spot. Uh, I would assume that he could have arranged for some sort of longer-term transition, but he left and he left the country. Per Ask a Manager, what is your advice on that? How long should he have waited for her to reply to the email? At what stage should he have involved HR in this whole thing? I don't know that he should have involved HR. Um, I definitely think he should have given her more than two days, maybe a week. I think she should be calling the shots here. You know, she is the one who was victimized by his actions. I think ideally he would have waited until he could touch base with her. Was this a satisfactory ending to you and your readers? Satisfying and unsatisfying. Um, I mean, there is that karmic justice element of it. You always hope that people who behave really badly will have to come face to face with the repercussions of their decisions at some point. And, And discovering that the ex who you abandoned in a horrible way is now your boss really checks that karma box pretty thoroughly. At the same time, you also hope that if someone does get a comeuppance like this, that it will, it'll nudge them into realizing, oh, this is what I've done. This is why my actions were bad. This is why I shouldn't have done it. And I didn't get the sense that that has happened yet. So why do you think people avoid difficult conversations? Oh, I wouldn't have a column at Ask a Manager if people didn't (laughs) avoid difficult conversations. That is my bread and butter. No one wants to have them. I think people are really, really afraid of conflict and they're afraid of awkwardness. And as a result, they, they try so hard to avoid those two things that they actually get themselves into a more painful situation. Certainly this guy did. But I mean, I see it all the time. People don't want to tell a coworker, hey, um, you know, your constant humming is driving me crazy. And so they deal with being distracted for weeks rather than just having like a one or two minute mildly awkward conversation. I don't know. We are a, a conflict averse people for the most part. Do you think this is a new trait? Do you think the speed of technology and the introduction of text messaging and Slack and things like that have made us worse communicators in our romantic lives and our offices? Oh, it's such a good question. Maybe. Um, I think in some ways they've made us faster communicators, and that is not always a good thing. There's not always as much 
impetus or necessity to be really thoughtful about your message and, and figure out the best way to frame something. I don't know. I suspect, though, that this desire to avoid awkwardness and tension and conflict is, is quite old. Elena is 26 years old. She lives in Washington, D.C. And after swiping right on an older guy on Tinder, he showed up to their first date in a three-piece suit, sweaty because he ran all the way there from a State Department dinner. He looked just like Jeremy Piven. And I love Mr. Selfridge and Entourage, so sold. She was charmed by this man, seven years her senior. He would look at you in a very specific way where you just, Kind of like fan yourself a little bit. And you're like, oh, my. Get the priest. I'm ready. And after every date, especially if he was treating, she would always send him a text message, just a simple thank you. And then he'd always say, you're welcome. And then one night after a date, she sent him her usual thank you message. And then she added him on Facebook. I was so nervous all day. I was like, oh, no, he's not going to add me back. Oh, no. Oh, no. What did I do? He didn't add her back. And on top of that, so he didn't respond to my thank you text. I was like, oh, no, it's because I I added him on Facebook. The next day, I retract the ad. I was like, remove friend request. But it was too late. She was ghosted. Oh, but our story isn't over yet. Nearly a year later, Elena spotted State Department employee Jeremy Piven, but this time on Bumble. It was a match. And before you know it, they're out on another date. We go to a whiskey bar in my neighborhood. We start talking about the past and how he used to come visit me on Capitol Hill. And then I mention, I'm like, yeah, I used to be here all the time. And then you ghosted me. He took a long sip from his drink, looked around the room, and gathered himself. And then he said, yeah, yes. You're right. I'm sorry about that. No explanation. But he did apologize. The thing about ghosts, the reason why they haunt us, is they don't want to pass to the other side. It's on you to move on and leave them behind. It had really bothered me at the time, but I was feeling pretty jolly that night. So I sort of let it go a bit. So dating resumed briefly, and then they decided to just be friends, and then he moved away to New York. And of course, he's the kind of guy where even when she has a boyfriend. A lot of his texts would end with, if you didn't have a boyfriend. God, I wish you were single right now. If you were single, I would take you out to the opera all the time. God, you have a body that men would fight a war over. You should look for jobs up in New York. Elena isn't afraid of her ghost even if she should be. It's actually really nice now. He still brings up like the, oh, if I were dating you jokes, but I think he knows it's not going to happen. Are you sure it's not going to happen? I'm not sure it's not going to happen, but I don't want to. He lives in New York and he, I'm not sure it could happen anytime soon. They met on the dating app, Coffee Meets Bagel. You know, it, it felt like a good, you know, good rapport. 
But then she just stopped replying to messages. Nick is 29 and lives in Minneapolis. I was frustrated, but I kind of just chalked it up to, hey, this happens, whatever. Like, it's all part of the game. He was ghosted. End of story. Uh, not quite, no. Then Nick spotted her again on Bumble. And after three days of chatting about the same things they chatted about the first time, he asked her about the ghosting. You seem very familiar. Did we connect before on another app? And she said, no, I don't, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, like, let's just keep going. Maybe she's, you know, gone out on a lot of dates, whatever. So they went on a date and Nick liked her. One of my kind of things I know if it's a good date is if she texts first uh, afterwards, which she did. She said, oh, I had a wonderful evening, great conversation, you know, great night. So feeling really good about it. But then before their next date... She canceled. She said she was sick, and I said, I I understand. He asked her out again. And she said, oh, I'm getting really busy. Uh, I have to work the state fair, which is huge in Minnesota. He asked her out one last time. And nothing. So I left it at that. Nick was double ghosted. You know, was I too forward? Was I texting too much? Uh, Was I texting just stupid things? And I don't think I was. If you saw her again, what would you what would you do? Like on the street? I think I would just say, hey, like, I don't want to judge or anything. But, you know, I really enjoyed our first date. And, you know, why didn't we go on a second one? Would you ask her out again? I, I think I would just to, you know, because I thought it was good. We had a lot in common and, you know, shared a lot of the same values and other uh, areas. But. You know, I don't want to get burned again. If you don't want to get burned again, the answer should be, I would never go on another date with her, right? Okay. I, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Last summer, Danielle went on a guided trip through Western Europe. She's 27 years old and lives in Evanston, Illinois. And halfway through the trip, she started hitting it off with a guy. They flirted a bit, but lived in different cities, so she wasn't getting her hopes up. And then one day in Barcelona... We were the only two who wanted to use some of our free time to go visit La Sagrada Familia. It's a Roman Catholic church with these over-the-top, almost unnerving spires. While we were up in one of those towers, I turned around to keep walking back down, and he, like, sort of surprised me, and we had our first kiss up in one of those towers. It was one of those days you never forget. It was like the best date I have ever had, ever. As their trip ended, on a rooftop, under the stars of Madrid, she agreed to do a long-distance relationship. He knew what to say. Saying things to me like he couldn't believe how other people had hurt me in the way they did, or he couldn't believe that people would ever get tired of me. And it was kind of him just trying to make me put down that wall that I always have up. And he did. And then after six months of grueling long distance, he stopped responding to her messages. She was worried. What if he got really sick? What if he was in a car accident? Like all of these ideas started popping up. I even started like 
looking through obituaries just to make sure like nobody in his family had died because I couldn't believe that he just did not want to text me. She put her feelings into a long Facebook message, a message he hasn't even read. It took me a really, really long time to get to a point where I would be okay with potentially starting to date again. It's one of the worst possible things to do to someone. We're going to be right back with one last ghosting story. And then I'm going to try to get back in touch with my old ghost, Casper. And we're back. And there's no blind Skype date this week, but we're going to be back next week with another great one. So we just have this one last ghosting story for you, this time from Zach, who is 30 years old and lives in Kansas City. Good conversation seems to be pretty rare, you know, on dating apps. And and we really hit it off, had a lot of common interests. We were both left-leaning politically, and she was really active in the political scene. Had similar nerdy interests. And so, like, we both just really hit it off. So good conversations on the app led to a great date, too. After having some really, really bad dates over the last couple of years, it was just a refreshingly nice night. There was just one thing missing. Felt more like having drinks with, like, my sister or, like, an old friend from college or something. They didn't have that spark. Just really good conversation with another genuinely decent human being. How did you guys end things? Uh, it ended, like, with a hug. Like, we'd, we both paid for our drinks and then... You know, I hugged her and then we parted ways and agreed to kind of get together again. Uh, in my mind, I was thinking, OK, there wasn't really any sparks on the first day, but, you know, I'd give it a I'd give it a second day. Like it was good enough time that I would give it a second day to see if maybe there was something more than friendship. But then Thanksgiving happened and he was fitting in some other dates and the texting kind of died off. It's like we would texted and, and it kind of made plans once in a while like she was going to be at a concert that I was going to be at and I was going to see her there but then she ended up not going and it just one thing after another it... maybe you guys are thinking that this is going to be a story about him ghosting her but not quite he did the thing that we should all do he wrote a text message to end things because he met someone hey sorry it's been a couple weeks like I just wanted you to know that like I had a really great time and I'm sorry that our timing never worked out for us to meet up again but I have met someone that I'm you know pursuing ex- you know exclusively at this point and so uh, I hope to see you around it was about an hour later uh, I got a, re- a really quick response saying I'm sorry to tell you this but Candace is dead My first reaction was like, wow, like, I can't believe this happened. Uh, and then I started to second guess myself. And I thought, what if she's just mad that I kind of stopped texting her? And like, what if she's playing a game? So I Googled her name uh, and obituary. And sure enough, she had passed away just a few days previous to me reaching out. Candace was 31 years old, beautiful, accomplished in her career. She was devoted to her advocacy work and disability rights. And everything I've read about her describes her as fearless. It talks about her impact on her community. And it's interesting to think that she even had that impact on her Bumble date. Has it changed the way you think about your own dating life? Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, it, I, I can see that it has, actually. I try and be more communicative and more direct a lot of times I think we avoid those conversations, but 
at this point, it's like, you know, it, it's worth reaching out and just being honest about, you know, what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It used to be when I started dating poor manners to break up with someone over the phone. I vividly remember friends just railing against guys in university who'd broken up with them over the phone. I remember Taylor Swift being really upset when that Jonas brother broke up with her over the phone and complaining about it on Ellen. Wonderful. And when I look at that person, I'm not even going to be able to remember the boy who broke up with me over the phone in 25 seconds when I was 18. So much of what we do now comes through texting, comes through Gchat, comes through Instagram, that we don't really know how to react to other human beings in real time. I I think maybe some ghosting happens because you want to try and make that other person not feel bad about themselves, but ultimately they just end up probably feeling worse because they're left with a lack of closure and, and no answers as to why this person in their life may have vanished. Well, if there's an expectation that everyone does it, I think it gives people permission Because at least if someone breaks up with you, you have that sort of closure. Like, they'll maybe tell you what went wrong or they'll tell you definitively, like, I do not want to date you anymore. Whereas ghosting, you have to try to put pieces back together yourself. You have to become, like, a sleuth, almost in, like, your own murder, like, trying to figure out what happened. Back in the studio, just going to unblock Casper's number, and I'll just send him a quick text message. Hi, with two eyes. Fun running into you today. Are you free for a drink? And then question mark and send. And now we wait. Oh, cool. You can, uh, he's writing back. Still typing. You can see the dot, dot, dot. It keeps showing up, and then it just, like that, just disappears. Oh, it's back. Yep, still typing. And it's gone again. Our show is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Join us next week for another Halloween special, also about ghosting. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our artwork changes every week thanks to Teddy Blanks at Chips.NYC. Our Halloween themes were done this week by Lee Rosphere. Thank you, Lee. They're incredible. He remixed our theme song by Andy Miklas. And then there were all those spooky Halloween doodads. They were real fun. Thank you, Lee. Special thanks to Mia LaBelle and Andy Bowers at Panoply. If you are in Chicago, it is time to get your tickets to our live show. It's coming up on November 2nd, and that date is uh, creeping up on us. So I hope you get your tickets. I hope you join us. I have some things planned that'll make you feel uncomfortable at moments. Also happy and maybe sad and hopefully laughing. You're, you're just going to feel a lot of things. So it's worth it. I hope you come out. I hope you join us. 
We have tickets on our website, yyradio.com. Next time on YOY, my ex Casper is back and we are still talking about how to pronounce Chipotle. I've been going to Chipotle since high school. I've always called it that. That's what they call it. The people who work there? The people at Chipotle. They say, hello, welcome to Chipotle. That's the name of the pepper. And salsa? Salsa.